Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. I want to first talk to people in the house. Way to come to church on Memorial Day weekend. Come on now. Come on. Life's better together. I'm glad you came. Everybody online that went to Memorial Day places, you're somewhere else. I forgive you. I think I'm one of the few senior pastors actually preaching on Memorial Day weekend. I did it to get a treasure um, in heaven. Uh, this is usually a national youth pastor preaching day. I gave Joe the uh, week off, though. Um, I thought I'd take the, take the reins. Why not? Go for it. Uh, I am so excited uh, for tonight. We are finishing the Knowing God series. Yes, I know. It's only been six and a half months in the same series, but we're finishing it. I think it's the longest series I've ever preached by about five and a half months. <laughs> I think maybe we did Making Great Disciples 10 weeks as the longest one, but usually we do four or five week series. But when we started knowing God in October, I just felt like God said, man, get planted in the gospel of John. People need to know who I am. They didn't know my goodness. They didn't know my redemption. They didn't know my strength. They didn't know uh, that I can redeem anything. Because here's the reality. People don't need something catchy. They need something concrete. And his name is Jesus. Catchy things come and go. But man, you get planted in the word of God. Ooh, watch what happens to your life. So we've been planted in the gospel of John for six and a half months. We're on the 21st chapter. Uh, if you're wondering what happened to 18 and 19, I preach those on Easter. So just go ahead and go backwards if you want to go preach. I actually really liked my Easter message. I believe in Easter. Uh, I thought it was actually awesome. Might've been my best one. Easter-wise, my top Easter message. We only have four here, so, because um, we're four years old. But tonight, we're finishing out knowing God, and the title of the message is, it's your turn to run. It's your turn to run. Turn to your neighbor and say, run. And what I love about today's series is we are culminating, uh, learning so many different things. If you haven't been with us, I just want to recap real quick. Week one, we started with Jesus is the meaning of life. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, with God. Ooh, a lot of word, word, word. Uh, that word in Greek is logos. It is the Greek word meaning, uh, well, the Greeks uh, were studying it, and it represented the meaning of life. So Jesus comes on the scene and when it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And Jesus says, I'm the word, I'm the living word. He comes on the scene in week one and tells us, I am the meaning of life. And if you find me, you find your meaning of life. Woo, week one, go check it out. And then week two, we found out our God likes the party. Who likes the party, huh? Church should be fun. It should. It should be a place where you celebrate what God is doing. It should be a place where you, you bring all the weight of the world and you walk out free. Uh, Jesus comes on the scene of a wedding and he uh, basically celebrates this big party, water into wine, and he basically says, my party hasn't came yet because heaven isn't dying going to church. Heaven is dying and going to a banquet, wait, a banquet, a great party. We're the bride, he's the bridegroom. So we learned that. We learned uh, that uh, Jesus taught us that his ministry is not just truth, but it's tears. That when people go through hard times, that some of the best things you could ever do with somebody is just cry with them. And then some people just need to hear some truth. Some people need to be challenged. Hey, get up. I get you've been through a hard season, but it's time to move on. And tonight we're going to watch Jesus uh, act out the gospel. You're not going to hear the word gospel in John 21. You're just going to see it lived out. The full gospel message. Let me, let me tell you something real quick. The Old Testament prophets were called to communicate the nature and character of God. 
And some of those prophets were lucky enough to actually have to be living parables to show the nature and character of God. And so when Jesus comes, he's the prophet of all prophets. So he's going to show the nature and character of himself more than anybody else. He's a living parable. You know what a parable is? It's just a short story with a big truth. You said three years of ministry. It was a short ministry run, but it had one big truth. I am the answer. I am the redemption. I am the alpha and omega. I, um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive in. And I, I'm believing that some of you, because you've been with us the last six and a half months, you've got more energy for God now. You've got more uh, um, passion for God. You're, you're more equipped. But tonight I'm praying that you get inspired to become a fisherman uh, for God's people, a fisherman for the lost, uh, somebody who is uh, realizing that you weren't saved to just sit in church, but you were saved to go save other people. And uh, I'm believing that's going to happen. We're going to have that anointing on this house. This is going to be a house with a lot of salvation. Does that sound good? I'm going to pray. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing at Mission Church. I thank you that uh, you've been so faithful to this house. You've been so faithful to a mission church throughout COVID. You, you found us a, um, a decrepit bar for us to take the part and film services in. We didn't have to pay for it, so I'll take it in the name of Jesus. Come on now. Uh, Lord, you found us a church to sponsor us and basically let us stay there for uh, a few months to record. And then you let us come here on a Saturday night and meet and worship together again and to be able to preach your word and have people find a relationship and have this be a catalyst for the rest of the week. And God, we thank you that August 8th even, we get to move into a Sunday venue at Shadelands. God, you're always taking care of our needs, so we just say thank you. And Lord, as this message is preached, I ask for one thing, that my words would fall to the floor and your words would soar. And everybody said? If you haven't been with us, uh, we are. We're gonna be here until um, uh, July 31st is our last one. Um, I've loved Saturday nights with you. I feel like God is doing something on Saturday nights, but I can't wait to get to Sundays. Sunday is a coming. Okay. Okay. Uh, Rachel and I went to North Carolina about a month ago and I can't stop saying, okay. Uh, it's dangerous. Yeah. Okay. I've got to preach. Uh, if I say, okay, that's why. Okay. So, uh, turn your Bibles to John 21. Okay. And, uh, let's see what happens here. Uh, we're just going to dive in. I'm going to preach it. Like I feel it. There is so much rich, uh, um, truth in this. There's just God's love bathed in it. Uh, God's, um, just, there's a lot of opportunity in it. If I could put it that way. And that's gonna make sense in just a second. John 21 says this, uh, one says this afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus. Always think that's funny. Uh, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, uh, the sons of Zebedee and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out uh, with them and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Everybody say nothing. You ever had a season of nothing? Just nothing's going right. Nothing, you don't feel nothing. There's no joy, just nothing. This picture right here just is a picture of defeat. Peter has denied God. Uh, he, has, um, he was rock, not so much on the night of Jesus' crucifixion. He was pamper soft. And so he is just feeling in fa failure. So what does he do? He retreats back to his old ways. You ever taste failure and just go back to your old ways? Maybe you're dating somebody and you break, they break up with you and you go back to your old ex that was a terrible ex, but they're the only thing you know. You ever do that? You ever, you ever try to go for a career job and you're like, I'm just going to go back to my old job because I know what it's like. So, so Peter has something for him, but a failure pushes him backwards and he retreats. And not only that, when he retreats, he doesn't even catch nothing. Goes back to the ex and the ex is even worse than before. Just a terrible thing. The first thing we see in this with the gospel, I'm going to show it real quick, is the need for gospel restoration. 
Peter's been with Jesus for three years and he still doesn't know the gospel perfectly because he's seen it preached, he's seen other people experience it, but he's never experienced it for himself. Can I tell you something real quick? The gospel is not going to be powerful just because you heard of it, just because you saw it. It's when you experience it. It's when you've tasted real failure. Can I tell you something? If you came here and you feel like you're great and you're perfect, church isn't for you and Jesus isn't for you. But if you know failure, you know defeat, you know betrayal, ooh, you're going to like tonight's message. If you've tasted just the darkness in your life, man, the gospel is a gospel of restoration. In Genesis, Jesus said this, let there be light. Ooh, I love that statement. And guess what happened? There was light. And then he comes on the scene. Mankind has made a bunch of darkness because they walked away from God, Adam and Eve, long story, but there's 66 books, written over 40 authors, and it was a pretty bad walk for a while. And then Jesus comes back, and you know what he says again? Let there be light. But he doesn't say it in the same way where there's light and darkness separating where we see it physically anymore. He's saying, let there be life, light in your life. There's a lot of, he's, he's recreating in your life. And so Peter, if I could put it this way, it's dark out. In darkness, even just the picture of darkness, if you could just see Peter right now, there's darkness in Peter. He feels dark. And so Jesus is gonna come speak light in him because that's what God does. You're not gonna find that anywhere else. Jesus is the only one that speaks light. The gospel of restoration, he needs it. Let me, let me um, unpack it this way. Uh, this whole story is, when we fail, we can choose re uh, retreat or restoration. Uh, Peter right now, has chosen retreat because he didn't even know restoration was available. And so he's sitting there fishing, and this is when it gets good. Let's, let's keep going. It's about to get good. Here we go. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. Woo, I love, I love it. I'll just be honest. Just a story I shared with my buddy, uh, Pastor Grant. Shout out. You might be checking this out. What's up, G-Money? Um, Grant, who was a meth head to a pastor to a father. Jesus takes people in drought seasons and then makes it almost like, I got too much now, Jesus. The net can't even hold it. And th this, I mean, I'll be honest. Rachel and I are in this season right now. I hate to brag, but can I brag real quick? Um, I, I grew up in drought seasons. I, I had drought seasons. I, I never thought I'd get married in one time in my life. I grew up on food stamps. I mean, just so many. I, I suffered with depression, you name it. And Rachel and I in this season, we're looking at our life and saying, God, you're just giving us, we're almost embarrassed for how much God's giving us. But this is what happens when you say yes to God. This is what happens when you say, God, I want to walk with you and I want to be faithful. He'll be there in drought, but then he'll say, hold on a second, go this way. You go this way. You're like, now I just got too much. Don't you know anything in between God? No, God just knows how to pour it out. So, so there's something about drought to too much. Oh, I like it. Okay. Uh, then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped out his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Two things happen here. First of all, if you're going to uh, recognize a rabbi, you better be dressed. That's actually a rule. Okay. And so I guess Peter is uh, fishing in his skivvies. Just to be honest, like he sees Jesus. He's like, oh, dang, Jesus here. I'm not going to put my skivvies on. Okay? Put a garment on. He puts his garment on real quick because he wants to show respect to the one. I think a lot of us, you know, before you come to God, get ready to show some respect to who you're coming to, okay? Second thing he does is like, oh, it's Jesus. He literally does it. He just jumps out of the boat and starts swimming. It's about 100 yards, it says. He's not like, oh, yeah, it's Jesus. <laughs> Good to see him. <laughs> I remember last time we talked. Okay, I don't want to talk about it. Like he... He gets out of the boat and runs to God. Now, it makes me think of two things. I'll, I'll, I'll read it this way. The gospel of opportunity, the gospel of opportunity. 
there's this famous story in Luke 15. It's the uh, story of the prodigal uh, son. And if you don't know it, I'll just recap it real quick. But it's the most famous story of God running to the prodigal. It's, it's like the running story. Like he runs to him, catches him, kisses him on the neck. If you don't know it, basically, um, the son has left uh, uh, his father. He said, I want, your, I, want the, I want my wealth. Basically, he says, he doesn't care if his father's alive. I just want money, and I want to go live for the world. He goes and lives for the world, and um, he basically loses everything. He's uh, feeding the pigs and realizes pigs are eating better than him. He has that revelation moment. His eyes are open, and I pray right now, even for uh, parents tonight, that if your kids are uh, like that right now, I'm praying for revelation moments. Their eyes would be open that they need to come home. So he, his eyes get open. He decides, he co- comes to his senses, comes home, and the father sprints to him and tackles him kisses him. Now, the interesting thing about running, shout out to Thomas Sturwell. He shared this with me. I love this uh, thought is when a father would run, you got to understand this, that would be shameful in the, in, in that time. Cause they would basically wear a rope. So you, you pull it up and you'd have to run like this. Okay. And it just was shameful to run that way. Like you're, you're bringing shame on yourself. And basically what that picture shows is, is the, the father is saying, I'll take the shame on me. He runs to the son and puts the robe on him and takes the shame off of him. It's an amazing picture of God taking, he who knew no sin became sin, so you would know no sin. That's, I mean, woof, it's, it's a great picture. Peter knows this story. Peter knows the story of the gospel. He just never experienced it. And so he doesn't even wait for Jesus to run to him. He's taking a bet on Luke 15. He goes, okay, I, I, here's what I know. I, I strayed from God. I rejected him. Just like the prodigal, I'm basically the prodigal. I reject. I said, I don't even know that guy. I, 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 no, I don't. He, he let, it, he let his, his savior die. He didn't walk with him. He goes, okay, if I ever get to encounter Jesus, if I ever had that moment, I'm going to run to my God. And if I could just be honest with you real quick, that a lot of you, Jesus has already sprinted to you and it's your turn to run. It's your turn to run when you fail. It's your turn to run when you feel broken. It's your turn to run when you've succeeded. It's your turn to run. Let me, let me, let me unpack it this way. Um, uh, it makes me think of uh, another real quick thing is Luke 5 is this other story. It's, it's interesting. Uh, Peter's in a boat and he hasn't met Jesus yet and he's fishing and having no success and Jesus says, throw your net on the other side. Luke 5 and John 21 are two different stories but almost exactly the same. It's just the, when Peter first met him and then Peter's last conversation with him. What an interesting bookend to Peter's life that Jesus even do it this way. And so Peter's in the boat in Luke 5 and they catch a bunch of fish, the net's breaking, and he sees who Jesus is. And Luke, Luke 5, this is, what, this is what Peter says when he sees Jesus in Luke 5. When Simon Peter saw that it was Jesus, he fell at his knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. This is gonna, I hope you see this with me. I hope you catch this. This, this is going to change your walk with the Lord. That's, that's how profound. I'm, I'm gonna double down, hyperbolic statement. It's one of the greatest things I'm gonna ever preach. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. I feel like, I feel like everybody's leaning in right now. I feel it. I feel it right now. I feel like you're ready for this. Okay. Okay. Mission church. If you're online, stop eating food or doing whatever else. Get off your phone. You're always double screening while you watch service. I know it. I asked the Lord. Okay. Stop double screening. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. Okay. I forgive you. Okay. Anyways. So Luke five title series is knowing God. Peter doesn't know Jesus and he knows of God. And so the first thing he sees God is he sees perfection. And he has been, if I could put it this way, Peter has been unmasked. He is naked spiritually in front of God and he feels sinful and goes, just get away from me, God. Just get away. I don't want you to see me anymore. 
Let's talk about what it means to be unmasked real quick. Um, why would he be that, re- respond that way? Uh, okay, I'm gonna tell myself. I saw a movie, you shouldn't see it. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to confess something to the church. Maybe it was the TNT version, I don't remember. It was a movie called Let's Be Cops, okay? Um, I love the show New Girl, guy starring Let's Be Cops. I don't think it's that appropriate of a comedy. It was the TNT version, I think. I don't know, it was too long ago. At least I didn't rewatch it, okay? All right? All right, I didn't repeat this in, okay? But I may have watched Let's Be Cops. Well, there's this movie called Let's Be Cops. Oh my gosh, I do not watch it. I do not recommend it. Um, but I feel like if I'm gonna preach a real message, I gotta be real with you, okay? So, so uh, this movie is these two friends who dress up like cops on Halloween and they basically like love it. They're like, people are like getting out of the way. They're like showing them respect. They're getting free coffees. And they're like, bro, we should wear this every day. And so they start dressing up like that every day. But the reality is, is when they get around a real cop, It's the only time they're stressed out because they actually don't have the authority of a cop. They don't actually uh, have the responsibility of a cop. They're they're not a cop. So if they get around a real cop, they're exposed. And what basically what's happening with Peter is he was playing, let me be my own God. Let me be my own master. And when you get around the master and you get around around the real God, you get unmasked because you can't cover up what he can only redeem. You can't actually get pushed through what you can't push through. And so when you get around the real God, it makes you feel uncomfortable because you've been playing God your whole life. This is really, this is, if I, if I could just say it this way, nobody's hurt you more than you. Nobody's led you down worse paths than you. And the reason why is because you're sitting in the wrong seat. You need Jesus to unmask you a little bit. And now here's, here's the reality though. Peter, because he didn't know God, asked God to go away from him. And some of you, because you don't know God, you push him away. Can I tell you my big thought of this real quick, ready? Shame makes you hide. Religious, religion makes you work, but the gospel makes you run. Let me say it again. Shame's gonna make you hide. Get away from me, God. If you knew, if you saw what you, oh, if you saw what, I don't want you to see anymore, just get away. If you get far enough away, shame makes you hide. Here, I'll prove it to you. What's the first thing that happens in Genesis? Adam and Eve fail. What do they do? They have shame. They go and hide. This is the nature of shame. Some of you are hiding things from God. He can already see it. Just run to him and give it to him. Some of you, religion makes you work. Oh, I messed up, but if I work hard enough, I'll be better. No, it doesn't. Peter, guess what happens? From Luke 5 to John 21, three years later, he knows Jesus now. And if you knew Jesus, you wouldn't hide. You wouldn't work for it. You would just sprint to him. You would pray more. You would read your Bible more. You would worship different because I'm going to say it one more time, put it on the screen. I think I put it as a bullet point. There was three of them. It was shame makes you hide. Guess not. Never mind. Yep. And then what's the next one? Religion makes you work. Everybody read the last one with me. Come on now. The gospel makes you run. The gospel makes you run. So Peter gets out of the boat and sprints to his God. Now, I wouldn't be preaching a full gospel if I didn't tell you what Jesus did next. He's going to have a real conversation with Peter. If you want real restoration, you got to have a real conversation. You got to really deal with things. Uh, Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I I hope, I hope this is making sense. Let's keep going. The other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not too far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. There were, uh, there were, uh, there with, there, wicka, wicka, wicka. Let me try that again. Um, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals and there with a fish on it and some bread. 
I did it. Jesus said to him, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even uh, with so many the, with the net uh, was not torn. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Third point is very simple, the gospel of relationship. Jesus is creating an opportunity. So we're seeing the gospel being lived out. So the first thing is, is Jesus comes to your drought. He comes to darkness, we see that. So there's the gospel of opportunity. And then, and then we see somebody actually respond to it. Uh, Peter sprints to him. So what's the first? So, so then he, once he sprints to him, what, what's the gospel look like? What does Jesus do? You think he starts preaching a message right away? All right, Peter, I know you failed. I want to talk to you about oaths. How, how not to break a vow. Of his seven-point sermon on how not to break vows, Peter. Maybe that, or, or I've got five, five ways that you cannot be such a sinner and loser, Peter. That's not what he does. He just wants to sit down and have a meal with him. Just, all right, you came to me, let's, let's have a meal. I, I wrote this down real quick. We are seeking moments with Jesus, but Jesus is seeking meals with us. Let me say again. We are seeking moments with Jesus, but Jesus is seeking meals with us. You know what moments are? It's religion. I want to, give me my moment. I'm all better. And you just move on. Okay, so I'm going to come to church. If I raise my hand and I feel good, I'm out. Don't come to church for a moment. Come to church to have a meal with Jesus. This isn't about moments. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. Let me put it this way. There's something that happens in meals that happens nowhere else. You really get to know somebody in a meal. Uh, can I share my single years with you? My dating years? Go, I, I, so I, I grew up before uh, swiping left, Tinder. I, I, I grew up before that. So uh, if I had that before, I probably would have uh, maybe gone online and swiped left or swiped right. But that's not how I did it because we didn't have it yet. The way I did it is I, you'd meet somebody in your head, you'd swipe left or swipe right. You'd be talking to him, you're like, mm, right, next one. Mm, right, next, you at a party. I'm mm, having a good time. Talk to you never again. Swipe. Okay, just being honest. Okay, this, this, is, this is just me and my day in life. Then you would meet one girl like, oh, we had a good moment at the party. Okay, swipe left. You'd be like, hey, uh, we should maybe, you know, go get a coffee or go get a lunch. And, and so I remember I'd get lunches with girls and I remember like we'd have this awesome moment. Like the girl would like quote friends. I'm like, oh my gosh, she quoted friends. She's so amazing. And then we'd go out to lunch and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is the worst lunch of my life. It was terrible. Well, I met Rachel at a party. Now it was like a Christian party uh, for a birthday people who served our youth ministry. Uh, first time I met Rachel ever. I wore white basketball shorts. They were, they were in at this time. They were like really big and baggy down past my knees. I had a white hoodie on, came from the gym because that's what you do. And uh, I was playing cards with people because I am terrible at um, flirting. So I'm just playing cards with some people. I talked to Rachel and in my head, I swipe left. Is that correct? Left is the one you like, like holler at me or is it right? Right is the good way? Left is the good way. Anybody? Who? Right's good? Right? Right? Right. So I swiped right. I swiped yes. I swiped yes. I don't know. So I swiped yes. Talked to Rachel. I was like, I was like oh, wow, this, I like this girl. She's cool. Yes, please. So, uh, so then we go to lunch. We were at Cheesecake Factory for like four hours. Like the, the waiter comes up to us, first date ever. I was, I was a youth pastor, so Cheesecake Factory was like Ruth Chris. I mean, every, you know, I, was, I was like, I was like, I hope you like your meal because I'm not eating for the next week. Um, 
<laughs> sacrificing. Um, so we talked for like four hours. Waiter comes up to us and like, how do you guys do it? Like, oh my gosh, it's the way, oh, this is amazing. And we're like, actually the first day. And the waiter's like, oh my gosh, you know. And so we started dating. We dated uh, for about five months and uh, we broke up. And um, just keeping it real. And uh, I had some things I needed to deal with in my heart. I was, I was broken, okay. I was, I, it was on me. So I need to work on this. Um, but while we were broken up, we broke up for eight months. And I went on a few more dates. Uh, it's a blind dates. And I remember this last date I had. I'm not going to say where I was because the person could ever watch. It was Castaway. You know who you are. Um, and uh, it's cool. And uh, so we're at Castaway. And it is the worst date of my life. I am sitting there. I'm just going to be honest. You got to keep it real. And uh, I'm sitting there at the date. And it's about 30 minutes in. I'm like, how do I cut? We haven't even got our food yet. And so the food comes, and about 30 minutes later, this is what I say to myself at the table. Not out loud, of course. Why aren't I having a meal with Rachel? I should, why am I not to get, why am I eating food with this girl? I want to eat food with Rachel. You know, like this is literally my, my thought process. It's the very beginning of like, you know, towards eight months of me going like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry Rachel. And if I could be honest with some of you, how many bad dates do you have to go on with the world until you say to yourself, why am I doing this? Why won't I go have the meal with the one that I actually am supposed to have a meal with? When, when am I actually going to actually spend time with the one that actually can bring joy to my life? It, it's been how many bad dates do you have to go on? How many blind dates? Because blind dates basically are people just telling you to try something different in this world. Ooh, but Jesus says, I just want to have a meal with you. And you start having meals with Jesus instead of moments, and you actually start spending time with him, man, you're not going to want to hang out with anybody else. No other God holds a candle. They're all lowercase g. Let's keep going. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The next point is the ultimate gospel question. It's the ultimate gospel question. I... Uh, I picture myself, uh, I've had a couple of job interviews and it's always interesting on a job interview. Uh, Jesus is now restoring Peter, but he's got to deal with Peter's failure. And for you to be restored, you can't brush past your failure. You can't brush past what happened. You got to actually um, process what's going on. You got, questions lead to like direction even. Great leaders ask great questions. So it's interesting that this is Jesus' last conversation with Peter. And of all the questions he could have asked him, he only asked him this question because it's the most important question that any Christian can be asked in the gospel. And the question is simply this, do you love me more than these? And I think a lot of us, when we hear the story, we hear this, Jesus, do you, uh, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. No, no, no. Jesus is literally standing there. His fishing old career is there and people are there. And Jesus is saying this, do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than the world? Do you, it's the agape, it's the, he uses Greek and phileo through this. He uses different Greek words. More than, do you love me more than all of this, the world? This is the ultimate gospel question that if you want to say yes to the adventure with Jesus and having the life you have for him, he's going to ask you, do you love me more than this? And you're going to have to answer, you know I love you. But let's keep going. He goes, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Now, this is two times in a row. Can I just tell you real quick, when Peter failed, 
um, on the night of the, uh, of the crucifixion, it was dark out, there was a fire, and he rejected Jesus three times. Well, it's night out, he's by a fire, and he's being asked the question three times. Peter's starting to sense, I see what you're doing. You don't even have to say it. I know what you're talking about now. I know why you're asking me the question. You're, you're, we're, we're addressing the thing that's deep in my soul, that if you don't take it out, it will affect the way that I pray, walk, and love for the rest of my days. Because if you don't have this conversation with me, Jesus, I'll always feel like a failure in the back of my mind. Doesn't matter how much success I have. Doesn't matter how many people I lead to, lead to you. Doesn't matter my great messages. Doesn't matter how great I look. If you don't go deep to the depth of my core and go to the thing that hurts me most and pull it out, I will always operate and function differently and I will not love correctly. But some of you, you don't want to have that conversation. But you got to let Jesus have that conversation with you. You got to let him go deep to the core of who you are. Deep to your darkest. And you're like, well, Tyler, is that big of a failure? Yes, it's a huge failure. Can I just tell you something real quick? Peter was called rock. It, it would be like this. It would be like the world's strongest man losing to a kindergarten girl on national television. All the U.S. is tuning in. And this little six-year-old girl comes up and slams his hand on the ground. And he is no longer the world's strongest man. His identity is gone. He's not going to be known as the world's strongest man. He's going to be known as, you're the guy who lost to the kindergarten girl. You know, like, Tyler, why would you use girls? That's like inappropriate, like, like that's sexist. No, time out, it's scripture. What I mean by that, in John 18, a little girl comes up to Peter and says, aren't you the one that knows Jesus? <laughs> now, let me just tell you something. Women have no authority at this time in culture. Definitely not little girls. And the little girl with no authority, no power goes, you're the one who knows Jesus. And he's like, nah, I'm rock, leave me alone. Oh my gosh, talk about losses of all losses, failures of all failures. Can I double down on this illustration? It would be like Jesus saying to Peter, you are the purest of them all. You are so pure, Peter. Oh, you're, 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 you're perfect, you're pure. And then on the night of crucifixion, people see Peter at the strip club and Jesus sees him. It would be being caught in the grossest, most sexual sin and being called a pure. You would never be known as a pure one again. How would you be known as a pure one if on the crucifixion you're at a strip club? That, that's, the, that's the gap of this failure. The gap of this failure is not like, oh, it's just a little thing. No, it is the gap of all gaps, and the only thing that's going to fill it is the grace, the gospel, Jesus. And so Jesus said, i got to get in this place, because here's the deal, ready? Real repentance, it has real ownership. Jesus needs him to own it. I need you to own your failure so then I can take it. You look at the original sin of Adam and Eve, what did they do? They blamed. They blamed why they did it. They blamed because somebody else talked them into it. Well, it wasn't really me. It was kind of me, but it was really that person. No, it was Peter. I need you to own this. Let's keep going. So the gospel of repentance. Real repentance has real ownership. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt uh, because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. If I could just put it this way real quick. Um, sometimes God's gonna ask you questions. No, not sometimes, always. He asks us questions, not because he needs to know, but so you know. So let's get back to the depth of Peter. Peter failed. And he goes, man, maybe, maybe I'm not who I thought I was. Maybe I don't love Jesus. And so the thing that he goes down and reaches in, basically, is he needs Peter to know. Not Jesus. He's like, 
No, Peter, you need to know you love me. Peter, you need to know you're still my guy. Peter, you need to know that your failure, it's gone. Like, like you're the one that loves me and I love you and I'll, you're gonna take care of my sheep. You're my rock. And so this is, this is where he's now dealt with the surgery. So we've seen the gospel do a lot of things in this little story. We've seen the gospel opportunity. We've seen the gospel repentance. We've seen the gospel relationship, having a meal. And now we get to see uh, the gospel of something bigger. The gospel of something bigger. Here we go, ready? Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, everybody say younger. Turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. Come on, I, I, immature Christians are the worst. I'm just gonna, and when I'm immature, like Christians have been Christians for 10 years and they're just so immature and what they value is immature, the way they talk about church is immature. And he's like, when you were younger, here's what you did. You dressed yourself, went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Just saying this, when you were a younger Christian, you would deny me, but you're going to grow up now and you're going to go wherever I tell you. You're going to sacrifice all the time. It's not about be convenience. Oh, you're a committed one. He's telling Peter how he's going to die. Peter, just so you know, you're going to be crucified too. I want you to know that, that, that this journey that you said yes to, that you're also going to have your arms stretched out wide. Peter knows this because he literally says this. Jesus uh, said this to indicate this kind of death by which Peter would glorify God and said to him, follow me. Peter was like, hold on a second. Peter uh, turned to the other side and said, well, what about John? <laughs> Okay, I'm going to get crucified, but John, come on. Is John going to die? If, if I'm going to die, just tell me John's going to die, and then I'll feel a little better because everybody has to do. Stop. One of the worst things you can do in Christianity is compare your journey with somebody else. It's one of the worst things you could ever do. It will steal from your journey. You'll have the wrong target. You'll, you'll get discontent. Oh, never look at anybody else. The pace of grace for everybody's life in this room is a different pace. This is a bonus one for you. It's called the uniqueness of the gospel. Everybody's journey is unique. Same gospel, but the way God shows his glory through your life, it's gonna be unique. Do not compare your journey. So let's keep going this real quick. So he says, when you were younger. Can I, can I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go off real quick. Uh, one of my uh, taglines is, can I pastor real quick? Okay, thank you. Um, younger Christians, this is what I've noticed. Younger Christians come and go to church as they please. He said, when you were younger, you used to just come and go to church as you please. Young Christians forgive when they want to. You're not going to forgive when you want to anymore, young Christian. You're going to forgive all the time. Younger Christians serve when they want to. I'm going to serve when it's convenient, but I'm not going to serve faithfully. I'm only going to serve when it's convenient. That's a younger Christian kind of thing. And if you only serve when it's convenient, you might be a younger Christian. Just got to be honest with you real quick. If you serve with convenience, you haven't grown up yet. Okay, let's keep going. If you've known the Lord for a long time, I just, I got to lean in a little bit. I wouldn't be pastoring well. I hope you feel, conviction just doesn't show what's wrong with you. It shows you what's right with God. It shows you with an opportunity. Okay, so I hope you feel a little convicted if you serve with convenience. Let's keep going. Okay, um, <clears throat> younger Christians give when they want to and where they want to. Ooh, that, I mean, that, that, that's a younger Christian. But when you, when you become a mature Christian, you just faithfully give. You just faithfully give. Next question is this. But this moment is Jesus calling Peter to something bigger. He's calling him to build the church. Uh, I'm going to say it to everybody, but I'm really saying it to YouTube real quick. Church is more than YouTube. Church is way more than YouTube. Church is way more than digesting content. That's, church was never about digesting content. I think COVID has tricked a lot of us that thinks that this is actually how to do church. And, and so if you have gotten in a rhythm of just watching service and thinking that you're going to church, you're not called to something bigger. That, 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 I, you need to hear this real quick. If you're watching and you were watching a different, we have people now that go to Mission Church that live in different cities of the US. You don't go to Mission Church. <laughs> you're digesting content. God calls us to something bigger. 
And what he calls to Peter is something bigger. He calls him to build the house of God. He calls him to, to sacrifice. I, I don't know what it is, but there, I said something and it resonated in my soul and it has been to leave, leave me. There has to come a time in your relationship with Jesus that it goes beyond convenience to a sacrifice. It has to happen. And at this church, as your pastor, as a shepherd, I'm going to lead all of us to sacrifice. I'm going to lead all of us because if I don't, you'll never get to your promise. You'll never get to where actually God wants you to get. You'll never walk in victory. You'll never have the provision God promised. You'll, all those things that are in your heart you want, you know which way it is? It's the route of sacrifice. It's never the route of convenience. It's never the route of digesting content saying, I like the message today. I didn't like the message today. The gospel is about calling you to something bigger than yourself. This is why I, I'd never preach on tithing. I'm going to touch money for one second. That's why I love people who understand tithing. You don't get the credit. Nobody knows you give, but you're sowing into something bigger than yourself. You're not sowing into something where you can say, you know what I did? I gave this much money to that thing and everybody knows I did it. No, no, you, you're a faithful sower of building something bigger than yourself because it's not about you. You know what I love about people who serve in kids' ministry? I'm going to just sing like, they're not even here, right? Nobody knows they serve in kids' ministry. Like, I'll meet people, I'm like, hey, so what church you go to? I go to your church, Tyler. I've never met you. I've been serving in kids for two years. We're going to call you out one time, Joseph. Potiphar will tell us about you, and we'll call you back to the palace. I feel like they're like, this is the reality. There's something about people who serve in kids' ministry. They're serving something bigger. Because I'll be honest, I've talked to a lot of people serving kids. I'd say half of them feel like they're called to kids' ministry. The other half just know they're called to serve something bigger. Because the reality of church is a lot of people serve where they feel like, I get the credit or I like it. But the real, the real building happens when you serve because you just want to be a part of something bigger. Just tell me where to go because I know it's bigger than me. And so he calls Peter to something bigger. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to finish with this. Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved was following them. This was one who had leaned back against him and said, when Peter saw me, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciples would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? I love how this finishes. This is the disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down when we know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Oof. John writes just basically, and so, so poetic, the Holy Spirit pen to paper is just saying to us in the last sentence, God is bigger. He's bigger than your problems, bigger than your worries. He's just bigger. He's a limitless God. He's a God that takes a meth head and makes him a pastor of a great church in Spokane. He's a God who takes Simon and stays committed to him and makes him a Peter. And I just, I don't want to give you too much content tonight, but I just feel like the thing that God was pressing on my heart as I was preparing the message is the gospel is shown to us in John 21. And I loved it. But if it stops at John 21 and it doesn't go on to us, oh, we've missed it. We're supposed to be the ones that invite people to meals now. We're the ones that's supposed to show them that it's our turn to run to Jesus. They see us run to Jesus. It makes the world say something. Let me, let me put it this way. Um, God calls us to be fishermen. That's literally what he called Peter. And it's interesting that he uses a fisherman moment in his last moment, John 21, to show us his character. Uh, do you know that if fishermen only fished when it was sunny, they would starve to death? I was, um, 
I was in Oregon uh, for my uh, compassion trip and it was a sweet time. They let us golf in the morning. And one of the mornings, this is what it was like golfing. I'm gonna show you a video real quick. This was me golfing uh, one of the mornings. Pickets. It's gonna come, I promise, they have it. So on YouTube, you'll be able to see it clearer. It is 30 mile per hour winds. It is pouring down rain. Top to bottom, I felt like somebody was taking a hose and just spraying me down with water. And I did it Rachel. I was like, babe, come get me, you know? And now here's the reality. Nobody else, um, not a few, not a ton of them had their wife on there, but Rachel was at the coffee shop. And I was like, will you come get me? We're like on hole eight. And Rachel's like, of course I'll come get you. Do you want me to get you a coffee? I was like, yeah, bring me a warm coffee. And I'm like on speaker and the guys can hear me. And, uh, and I was like, and she's like, you want a burrito? I was like, yeah, bring me a burrito. We teed off at 740. And so like all these people are golfing and I have my golf clubs and I'm just walking back to the golf shop and just, I mean, walk of shame, but I didn't care. I'm, I'll quit. I quit. It's too rainy. For little Oregon playing one of the greatest courses in all the U.S. I don't care. It's too cold. It was too rainy. I quit. And then I start walking and see other people quitting. Like, bro, it's, it's gross out there. I was like, yeah. I was like, my people, let's walk together. And so like there was this group of us walking past golfers going this way and I was walking that way. And my wife picks me up and my buddies who kept golfing, all the other three, uh, stopped raining like three holes later and got really pretty. And they're like, bro, it was the greatest last six holes. And I was like, shut up. Um, and it's interesting what God uses for pictures and just forgive me I hope this I hope this resonates with you a little bit I quit two holes too early if I would have held on for two more holes the sun was going to break and it was the best course at the um, resort all my buddies said I quit two holes early because I was too cold and was too rainy I called my wife and she was nice enough to bring me coffee some of you, I just want to, don't quit two holes too early. Man, I want, to, I want to fish in storms with you, and I want to fish on sunny days with you. And right now, the Bay Area is a storm. It is stormy right now, but let's not quit too early. I'm believing that the best days in the Bay Area are ahead of us. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I, I believe it. I, I'm not singling people out that are saying, I'm done with the Bay Area. Actually, if you say that, yeah, I single you out. I do think God signs people to other places and they've made a great deposit. That's amazing. But it's the first year ever in California that we've actually not grown as a state. Did you know that? It's the first time California has actually shrunk and not grown. And I get it, politics, finance, I get all that. It's worst state on the you know, It's not even American. I get it. I get it. But man, I'm believing that when God said, let there be light in the darkest state, there can be light again. Let there be light in your life. May there be light in your family. And because of that light, let there be light in the Bay Area. Woo, and may we see him light it up. Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.